Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of the Finger Guns Podcast with Tony, Dave, and James. Ooh. I know. It's been so long, like a year <laughs> since we've done a bonus episode. We did the Oscar one. Correct. Okay, so it's only been a few months. But, <laughs> but it's still been quite a while since we've done a bonus episode. This is true. Yeah. Didn't but, we just record? We yeah, did, yeah. Yeah, and we're back I, again. Am, am I in the Twilight Zone or something? <laughs> no, no, we're just, we're just never stopping. Never stopping. Um, never stop, never stop. It just never stops. Can't um, stop, won't stop. So in this uh, this bonus episode, which is going to be like a low fanfare and a lot of a lot of movies that we got to get to talking about, we are. As we've mentioned, I think in the past, covering Tribeca, Woo! which has been a lot of fun, sure um, has, and enjoyable. But uh, we got uh, a whole slate of movies to cover for the Tribeca Film Festival, so we figured we'd throw in a bonus episode, get a bunch of them out of the way, uh, and uh, give you guys a whole bunch to think about and talk about, and maybe see if you're in the states, or maybe put on your watch list that I'm sure all of our super fans make because of all the movies that we watch that they can't see yet. Um, this is true. This is true. Question for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So we've hammered back at least like what, like six or seven Tribeca movies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, about seven. Yeah. Do you guys notice a vibe? Like they're all like kind of a vibe. Like TIFF movies are like you know, like you can sure. look at it and be like sure. it's TIFF. You yeah. can look at it as Sundance. Have you have you picked it up for uh, Tribeca yet? Because I'm starting to get a vibe. What's the vibe, Tony? Um, I don't really know. It's <laughs> <laughs> have you guys found cool. a vibe? I don't really know if it's I don't know. a vibe. I can't or not. describe the vibe, but there is a vibe. <laughs> it's like it's like almost like I want to compare it to Sundance, but I haven't seen enough Sun. No, no, I should say I've seen Sundance. It's like Sun. It's like a different version of Sundance, like a different like indie. Like I just can't, I can't put my finger yeah. on it, but they okay. all follow like the same. Like watching the movies that we did, I'm starting to be like, okay, you know what? Like I I get it, I get what they're going for. Like trying to be Sundance or rejected from Sundance, <laughs> rejected from Sundance, <laughs> which Rebecca, which rejected from Sundance, which no complaints and no, no judgment complaint. here because i have been rejected from sundance three times in a row so fourth time is the charm yeah, yeah. it's just i don't know man i, I i'm putting i'm putting the pin in it i'm putting okay. the seed right okay. now when we're done with we'll the talk, festival maybe yeah. we'll talk over the next couple episodes and see if we can pin down the vibe but it's definitely there's definitely something there feel yeah. the vibes feel the vibes for sure okay well like feel when the you vibes. when you see movies at south by southwest you're like okay I get it. This is this yeah. is the vibe they're going. You're talking for. to sure. James like he goes to festivals all yeah, the time. I know, right? Well, I was, Fantasia, I was on the Fantasia, yes, yes. Fantasia is, yes. A vibe. is a vibe. It's a vibe. Sundance is a, is vibe. a vibe. Tiff is a vibe. Is, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. There's a surprising. I would say with Tribeca though, my surprise has been there's a lot more documentaries than I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we went I from one documentary festival to another. There was like, fuck, man, is this hot dogs continued? Because fuck me. It's fine. I enjoy documentaries, but oh boy, that was I was expecting. Like I guess I started. We started with a narrative feature, but then it yeah. was just uh, 
non-stop dogs. Just docs. Just docs. Would you call it narrative? I don't really think it was much of a narrative. So much as experimental. Experimental. Very experimental. <laughs> a feature. A fiction. A work, a of, work fiction. of fiction. A work there you go. of fiction. Yeah. That's a good That's a good segue to our first movie. Yeah. 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 So what we're going to talk with? Yeah. We're talk yeah about, you guys want to start with that? Yeah, let's go, with, let's that. go with that. So our first film is The Seeding. Ooh, spooky. Uh, I guess quick summary. I'll give the quick summary and then we yes, can kind of talk about it. So uh, a a guy heads out into the desert uh, to photograph, uh, do some like astronomy photographs. And uh, on his way back down after a night of doing some time lapse photography of the stars, he comes across a kid that is seemingly lost in the desert. He follows him. He said he wanted to find his parents. He can't yes, find his he, parents. He was, yeah, it was seemingly lost. Um, follows, like, and he's trying to get the kid to come back with him to his car, but the kid walks off in the other direction. He follows this kid for a while uh, and then discovers a house that is down in uh, a hole in, in, in the desert. And he has to it's walk like down. It's like a chasm. A chasm, yeah. sure. Let's a call it. Yeah. And there's only one there's way down, a, and it's a ladder. Like it's a microcosm, right? Because it's, it's its own... Um, well, I mean, there's a reason it's a microcosm, but we'll get there. Okay. Um, anyway, it's a house in a desert in a hole uh, that has only one way down. And it's one ladder that is then followed by another ladder that is replaceable. And uh, he thought it was a good idea to go down there. Yeah, well, and, it, was, it, uh, was, it was dark and there was light. So yeah. he was, sure human, shit didn't maybe. know where he was. Yeah. And uh, hilarity ensues. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, because because he meets up with a young woman and. Uh, She's very hospitable yes. and uh, he stays there the night. And when he wakes up in the morning, the uh, ladder's gone. The ladder's gone. <laughs> so he's trapped in a chasm. Yes. Yes. With a house and one lady. Yes. Before we continue on our description, yeah. I just wanted to say this was a world premiere and uh, there's still some screenings of it to come. Excellent. Uh, there's a screening actually today, I guess, Tuesday, June 13th at 9 p.m. at the Village East by Angelica, as well as Saturday, June 17th at 9.30. And this one is not on the uh, platform. So all of our fans in the U.S., if you want to see this film, you and have to, boots on the ground in New York. You got to be boots on the ground in New York to see it. Nice. Nice. But uh Saying all of that, what the fuck <laughs> was this? <laughs> the actual fuck. What the fuck? <sighs> what? So, so the best way I describe this movie what? is The Hills Have Eyes meets 127 Hours. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, I don't I can, know about the 127 Hours, but Hills Have Eyes, I, I guess. 127 Hours being stuck in a hole for a long period of time. I know, sure. but this At motherfucker can walk around. Off. <laughs> yeah. Um, but definitely more hills have eyes for sure. Yeah, and and as the film goes on, you kind of learn why this house kind of exists, uh, and and what this guy's purpose was as to why he was led there. And and the, there's also kid kids in the wood in that in the desert who are creepy fucking ass fucking kids that continually fuck with him the entire time. Like that yeah. one kid who's random, like his dongs out and he's just pissing, pissing on him. On like him. that's just rude, yeah. man. That's just, just rude. <laughs> yeah. And they're all wearing this, like, like these ridiculous outfits and, uh, just maniacal the entire time. But yeah, I, you know, like this, this movie it started with a host of just terrible decisions. This is true. Of like, 
That kid just started walking away from you. Stop following him. Just go. What just the fuck? Go. You don't know this kid Clearly anything. this kid, just, just, he, he, he owes you, you nothing. Hard. He owes you nothing. And also, you walked for a while, and then uh, uh, you found this. What the? No, don't go down in the hole. <laughs> I understand. I We kind of mentioned of like, okay, like it was getting dark, and there was a house, and it was light, and, and there's a person. Okay, sure, you found someone who can maybe help you, but... Uh, the sketchiness of getting down there was immediately like, no, sir, you're not going to get back out of this hole. This is this is it. This is where it ends. Whether it was I, I was waiting for like the ladder to like rip out of the rocks on his way down or something. <laughs> I thought like, it was going to tumble. Right. Uh, but then, the of course, the ladder was gone the next day. And then like <laughs> it devolved into like feral territory and like. Uh, yeah, you mentioned it's a microcosm. Yeah, because of all the dead corpses <laughs> in the ground, Dave. Yeah. It's it's a, it, that's the only reason plants grow. They've murdered a lot of people. Anyways, yeah, it gets kind of, yeah, the feralness and the uh I was getting midsummer vibes from it. Yeah. yeah. Where they and, like flayed that kid and left him over top of the hole. Yeah, that was fucked up. Fucked. <laughs> um and I hated the guy, which, you know, credit to him cuz What's his name? Scott Hayes. Yeah. Credit to him that he was a you know a complete piece of shit, and it was about toxic masculinity. So good for him, because as the movie went on, I just fucking hated him more. And yeah, uh, yeah I uh, some of the visuals were cool, and I really enjoyed uh, the dread, impending dread throughout the whole movie. Yeah, the, yeah. At, the atmosphere was yeah. definitely the atmosphere was what was like dread yeah inducing and fucking what was the other one the score is very like piercing and fucking like keeping you on it, your oh, yeah. on it edge it sets the vibes it sets the vibes but yeah i, I didn't yeah. i didn't love it yeah I, I didn't love it i didn't love it i will say shout outs to uh caitlin shell who played oh, that's girl. what i was, gonna, was that's what i was she was say. fucking aces she was great if there's one thing that, that a good thing i want to say about this movie is yeah. her performance yep she goes from a very hospitable very calm person to completely unhinged yeah it's incredible yeah yeah she like really like d- plays her role of you know luring this guy in for reasons for reasons very very well I didn't realize she's in your next. Yep. She's yep. the lead and she dies tomorrow. Which she's absolutely fantastic in. I've never seen it. Oh, yeah, I wanted she's to. in VHS too. VHS one as well. Nice. And yeah, she's in some good shit. Yep. So good for her. Yeah, on she's this been one around. She's, she is, it. She yeah. is very, very good in this film. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't love it. Yep. Didn't wasn't, love a big, it wasn't a big fan. Nope. Yeah. And yeah. it was a. I respect. It's one of those that I respect more for the craft than I do for. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was well else. shot. Like it looked nice. No, it, it looked was, great. Yeah, it looked great, and there was no goofy CGI or anything. Nope. But straight, straight up and down. There was just some weird shit with like some of the like where he was playing with like the framing and the uh, the speeds. Yeah, and I was like, what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Come on now. Yeah, come on now. But uh, yeah, didn't love it. Didn't love it. But. Uh, I'm sure it's definitely going to find an audience because it's creepy as shit. Yeah. And so, honestly, it was like, I watched it and I'm like, am I, is this Fantasia? Like, <laughs> am I at the right festival? What is this movie? Why is it here? Yeah. Definitely. Definitely felt the same way. Fast forward to next month when they announce it for yeah, Fantasia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, Slated yeah, for Fantasia. Tracks. Well, there it is. There it, it just is. needed to find its first home first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are we going to talk about next? Uh, why don't uh, we do breaking the news 
Ooh. Yes, which is uh, excellent. The first documentary of the evening <laughs> about uh, about the nineteenth about the nineteenth asterix. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so it's about the fine the um, founding the founding like the build up the founding of the nineteenth asterix, which is a news organization in the based in the U.S. which focuses on female uh, news impacting female god what am i trying to say it's written by females for females yeah and it's trying to be females bringing the it's name trying to it's trying to break the status quo exactly like trying the, to break the, the status quo the, there news, the white male centric the news isn't just for man, the white man the yeah. white news straight is, men yeah the news is for everyone yes yes breaking the glass ceiling really going for that non-partisan non thing like just like here's the fucking news like it's not not leaning one way or another it's just the news exactly yes and telling those and telling those stories that typically wouldn't be covered in uh big big uh news stories or would be but not at in not the same, in the same, same depth yeah. not in the same, not with the same depth so yeah. this one was a world premiere unfortunately it is not on the platform and it is not screening again at the festival so you'll just have to keep you your eyes up wait. for it yeah um to that point what did you guys think uh i liked the way that they portrayed it i didn't realize how big the 19th asterisk had gotten um in terms of just their proliferation into news and like how uh i definitely read some of their articles without even quite knowing that i was reading a 19 yeah i was gonna i was article. gonna say i do yeah. recognize seeing their articles especially during 2020 and like for sure exactly the early days for and sure I, and i think it was interesting to watch sort of this like sort of scrappy fledgling like brand new news organization try to get off the ground as during covid yeah um and like try to get funding and like and also like i appreciated the fact that they left like it what it was a it was a glowy piece in a lot of ways of talking about um how how they how they were founded and you know like the good work that they're doing and like uh their their journalists that they have that uh it did some great reporting but like they didn't shy away from the fact that like they're not perfect like they have a lot of growth to do, especially when it comes to being more inclusive to non-binary and and LGBTQ and LGBTQ uh, people in their team. They left sort of like the 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 negative stuff in, and especially when there was uh, the one at the time one trans person on their team that felt very alienated when the company the 19th was celebrating all of their success as women and go girls and everything else and they felt like they couldn't celebrate because they weren't a part of that like they didn't feel welcome and they just kind of left it in the dock which i thought was great and then like they, the steps that they took to start recognizing it and then as things changed in the world um especially around lgbtq and trans people in general um that they started bringing on more trans people to start covering that more more, vo that more diverse angle, voices that, yeah, yeah and more queer also and, yeah. also to that point just like they're the they're the only ones who are writing lgbtq yes. pieces and like when it was straight yeah, the strain when it was only them too oh the, my god the strain yeah. you get to see the strain on them and you get to see yeah the pain of being the only one and it's like it's nice that you can see how it progresses all of that, to, all of that, 
now I'm yep. sidebarring. I think it's one of the first movies I've seen that really speaks to what it was like working during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, because, definitely. Because everybody's in their own silo. They're all meeting on Zoom type thing. They're yep. all talking. They're all yep. texting and everything. They're outside when they're talking to people. They're wearing masks. It gets spoke like they didn't really hone in on covid outside right. of like one or two stories where they yeah. were talking about the effects yeah but like it it spoke as like this is what shit was like yeah this exactly. is what the, this is what exactly. your life was if you were working yeah and you weren't you weren't needed physically yep like this is this is what it was yeah exactly and like no rose-colored glasses at all and i'm glad yeah. that they didn't like they didn't focus on it like it was just a part of the story yeah exactly yeah so I also think that it speaks to um, resilience and mm-hmm. uh, how uh, powerful these women are and how dedicated and how they've persevered because like I graduated from journalism school, what, almost 15 years ago. Yeah. And like, I'm not a journalist, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at yeah. least in the conventional sense. Right. Like, and a lot of people I graduated with, I do not think went into journalism. Yeah. Like it's fucking hard. So, yep. It is a lot of hours, a lot of thankless hours, a lot of not being paid properly. Correct. And like you're up all night all over the place. You can't yeah. really have a good family life. I don't know if you guys noticed, but there were only a couple of them that were married and only a couple of them had kids. Yeah. Everyone yeah, else everyone was else very was much very single. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. you don't have fucking t- when you're writing this stuff and when yeah. you're putting you're in this on much the road work, or you're out. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you don't, don't have time. time. Yeah. You don't have time. So kudos to them and kudos to showing the the price you pay yeah. to do this. Yeah. And how powerful and how I don't like saying the word brave. Um how they they didn't shy away. They didn't shy away from any story. They didn't shy away from the truth. And I'm just going to keep going on and on and on. So, but it was, yeah. coo- it was cool to see. No, it, was. it was cool yeah. to see the ins, the outs, the what have you's and that they didn't like, like absolutely. Just, it yep. wasn't just gloss. Yeah. Totally agree. I agree with everything, everything you've said. Uh, I thought I was half decent. It kind of feeder, it kind of petered out at the end for me. Um, but that's I think fair. that's, that's, I think that's just on me. That's not on the story. Um, definitely an interesting one and definitely one you should seek out. Yeah. yeah yeah agreed especially because it's like as i kind of mentioned at the beginning like i i've read 19th articles without really knowing 19th anything asterisk. 19th asterisk articles without really knowing anything about them uh and it's it's it was kind of a fascinating look to see this these guys like them come together and figure out how to start a newspaper basically or a news publication like how it gets made and how it gets yeah it's it's really like a peer appear behind the curtain sort of thing of like especially now because like all all media institutions generally except for like blogs uh are like old bedrock news organizations that have been around like no one just like starts a news company so to or speak. they get swallowed up by or they get swallowed bigger, up by a bigger pretty, one right and like easily. even 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 the 19th asterisk uh started out just publishing under the washington post of just like that was that was the only way that they could get their stuff out there easily beyond their website but Mm -hmm. like they 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 had an actual access to it and then from there they just exploded into you know a proper full-fledged news company which was it was cool it was cool to see the the full growth of it Mm -hmm. and like where they're at now and and the big stories that they're covering yeah good for them good Good for for the strong women absolutely good for absolutely 
So yeah, you'll have to keep a lookout for that one. I'm sure someone will buy it and it'll show up. Hopefully not just on Netflix. Um, but uh, you know what? Let's let's keep on the train. Sure. Let's do chasing chasing Amy. Uh, which is screening again, which was a world premiere and is screening again on Thursday, June 15th at 6 p.m. at Village East by Angelica. Yep. I kind of referenced this one in our last podcast uh, because I was watching Chasing Amy. Yes. Uh, this one is about um, director Sav Rogers. They felt or he felt alienated as a young uh young person who didn't quite know who they were yeah. and they found chasing Amy and it got them through some hard times. So they decided, so he decided to make a documentary about the film yep. Yep. and how it came together. And then the story kind of pivots from there. Cause it changes into just like the power of art and what it can inspire yeah. and how it could change your life. Yeah. And just kind of, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I know Tony and I got to speak to Sav, so we know how personal yeah, the story that's, that's is. It's really cool. Yeah. And it does feel very personal. And I, again, much like we were saying about breaking the news, it doesn't shy away from the Correct. ugly stuff. They have, yep. there's general, genuine criticisms in here yep. um, from bloggers and from new, from journalists about this film. Yep. And it, it tackles of, kind of all the aspects of Chasing Amy in that way of just like, its legacy in general yeah i like how the legacy isn't quite again rose colored yeah like that there's there's a tainted legacy to it and like we might think of what think of it as one thing someone else who's in the community might think of it as something different and then of course the harvey weinstein of it all yeah yeah, yeah, and I, I like that they kind of they left that in there too and and you got to hear kevin smith talk about that a little bit and and how that's impacted him and you know, and the and the way that through through Sav, like he kind of gave Kevin his his movie back in a way. Um, yeah. Even though he doesn't even own the movie, like it's it's yeah, it belongs to the Weinstein's. It belongs to the well, Miramax, I guess. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, the wine. Oh, the, the Weinstein, Miramax is the Weinstein Group. Yeah. Yeah, I think Paramount owns Miramax now, and they own a ton of the movies, but not all of them. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> um, yeah, like I yeah. I agree. I I unfortunately did not get a chance to speak with Sav, which would have been a very cool conversation, but uh, I enjoyed watching sort of his progression through it as well. And uh, and even halfway in the middle where he just finally was ready to like come to full terms with himself publicly. Hmm. Um, that I thought was a very interesting thing. To, uh, they also just left that in there, which I was just like, good. Like that's. It's very honest. Of, very, it's raw. very honest. Very raw. Tony. It's just a very powerful movie. Like and yeah. it's 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 wholesome. It's it caught me off guard because I love I love chasing Amy. I remember in high school everyone was going on and on about these romantic comedies like your Matthew yeah. McConaughey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Hay, all that. And I'm like, have you seen Jason Amy? Like that yeah. is that is that is a rom com. Like that is. I mean, goatee aside, but oh, yeah. goatee aside, the Ben Affleck of it all. Goatee, no, not Ben Affleck's great in that film. Yeah, the goatee is not <laughs> great. He needs to go. The goatee and the use of the F word, of course, so literally. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. Um, but the thing that really hit me hard was uh, the Joey Lauren Adams interview. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like I was not expecting that at all. Yeah, even, and, even the fact that she straight out came up and asked him, and was just like, "I don't. What do you want from me?" Like I. I hesitate to talk about it 
much other than to say it's kind of the focal piece of the movie. Absolutely. Yeah. And it kind of, if you, whether you like chasing Amy or not, whether you want to see Sav's journey and living his truth or not, the part with Joey Lauren Adams on her own yeah. is that's like it's my you have yeah. to see it. Yeah. Her speaking her truth about chasing Amy is incredible. Yeah. And it's worth the price. It's worth the price of admission. It's worth watching all on its own. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh yeah, a big recommend. Big, yeah. big recommend. And luckily this one is going to be on the online platform. Excellent. So if you don't have a chance to see it next this later this week, you can rent it on the online platform, which is going from the 19th until July 2nd, I believe. Yeah. I will say breaking the news and chasing, chasing Amy locked to my screen the whole time. Oh, okay. I yeah. did not never let me go. Oh yeah. So, and two very different pieces of subject matter, but two very, very like riveting docs that actually like work very, very well. I watched it with Tony and I know we had a good laugh when the one uh, screenwriter or filmmaker was talking about uh, the fisting. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, where she's like, if you've ever fisted, so, I don't know you if you've ever fisted with yeah. anyone, but this is not what it looks yeah, like. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, yeah. I laughed yeah. out loud at that. I part. love uh, that. Yeah. But Fucking whack. To be, honest with, to be honest with you guys, out of everything that we've seen so far, Chasing Chasing Amy is definitely my favorite of yeah, them all. That's, yeah, um, that's fair. Totally. Definitely got to seek it out immediately. Yeah, that's fair. I really hope that this finds the audience it deserves. Absolutely. And um, you didn't say it here. You said it when you were talking to Sab, but you're inspiring. Yes. Yeah. Just, just very powerful, very intimate. And like, I think it's a great uh, exploration of art and yeah. its effects and how we, how one person can perceive it. And how other people can perceive it. Yeah. And I absolutely. like that there's, I really like that there's the criticisms there and how like people are taking Kevin Smith to task. Yeah. Thing. Like, I think I would have wanted a little more with Kevin Smith um, hearing what people were saying. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like he didn't He kind of got everything. off a little easy. Yeah. Like, I feel like he got off a little easy. Um, And I think I would have wanted more from Jason Lee because like Jason Lee outright says like, something along the lines of why am I saying all these things? I don't like, I don't like this dialogue. There's a part in it where he says, I'm afraid to play this character. Right. Right. I think there would have, I think I would have liked to have heard from him more. Yes. Agreed. Cause I definitely think that there, I think there was definitely stuff. His apprehension right there. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, like Tony said, I, I think it's my favorite as well so far of what we've seen. And just reiterating, I really, 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 really hope it finds an audience. Definitely. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So don't miss that one. What do you want to talk about next? Mm, why don't we talk about, why don't we completely shift gears and uh, talk about the short film that we watched Ooh, okay. uh, called To My Father, which is uh, a short film about Troy Kotzer uh, who won Best Sporting Actor for CODA a few yes, years back. Correct. Um, and kind of talking about his father, who was kind of his um big inspiration. His big inspiration, his, his biggest, his biggest cheerleader, his, his biggest hero. hero. Yeah. He outright shouts him out in his Oscar speech. Absolutely. Well, and when I say shout, like signs it out. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's very evident that like his father played a huge role just in that speech alone. But then it like I like that 
it's a really short uh short film 20 minutes yeah it's about 20 minutes um it really like so you heard it in his oscar speech and this is like let's deep dive into that like let's talk about your dad and like let's who he was as a person what he meant to and i guess maybe not so much who he was as a person but who he was as a father to To Troy troy and his brothers yeah um and what his relationship with his dad growing up was like and uh the tragedy that befell him just before Troy graduated high school and in 1987. <laughs> yeah. He's graduating high school the day the year Dave's coming out of the womb. Um, yeah. I, I didn't really know where it was going at first. I was like, okay, I, he's a cop. All right, cool. What does, what does that mean? I guess he was the chief of police. All right. Extra cool. But then like just sort of seeing that, uh, that relationship that he had with his dad, um, and how his dad was like the best signer and and the one that wanted and encouraged and communicated with him the most and and uh you know leading all the way up to the end uh the little bit of an end scene where he goes to where he goes to the cemetery with his oscar with his oscar which i love that he, he like seat belted it in yeah. <laughs> grabbed it around yeah. i was like man i would do the same thing yeah <laughs> definitely yeah. do the same thing <laughs> but i was just like man that was like really touching and like really really kind of nice so i'm glad it was only like a short film too like it felt like the right length of time for the subject matter that was being covered. i would agree and, uh yeah i felt like i got to know troy a little bit more and, the, and like even the part where like he got the 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 role in coda where like he was working at like some menial office job and hated his life and then got the part, got the part. Like, that's, yeah, and how it changed his life yeah and how his dad was the one that pushed him the whole way. And yeah. I love the man's hats. Yeah. I love his hats. Many, many hats. <laughs> Can I just point out something super nerdy? Mm-hmm. Is it how this guy had an, had a decent father? <laughs> had a half decent father? Yikes. <laughs> I'm trying to try and go through this whole thing without referencing that. But yeah. you know what? Um, I want to know how much money he had for the short. Because that camera looked real fucking nice those yeah. lenses yeah, yeah, yeah real fucking nice yeah. man and yeah. just how it was crafted and how it was edited and how the just how he um the one that got all the extra actors to yeah the dramatization the dramatization yeah. when, when, vid- when he's doing the uh tom and jerry when he's acting out tom and jerry yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was, it was cool. great yeah that was cool but the visuals yeah and like how he showcases like old family videos and like old yeah. pictures and everything yeah. i was just like this guy have this is this yeah. this this is really nice this is really best this, supporting actor tony of yeah. course <laughs> but it's like it's not something it's it's almost like uh it almost looks like a feature like it looks cinematic yeah, it doesn't look very. like your typical short film and i just i just liked how it was visually it was very yeah. it was very very cool documentary very, very sort documentary <laughs> Coming to the Oscars next year. <laughs> probably will. Probably. <laughs> probably will. Probably yeah. will. But I'm just saying visually, it was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yep. I really dug it. And too. it's just an interesting, it's an interesting way to tell a story because you can tell a story about your father and just sit on a chair. Right. But Easily. it's just how you deliver that story. And, and they like, did do that too. Yeah. And I liked that. I liked that. They just kind of like left it there and was just like, yep, he's going to sign to you. And yeah. Open captions the whole open time. Captions. Open, open captions. Open yeah. captions. I love. Like, and the yeah. the voiceovers of his uh, interpreter and stuff. And yeah. How and, it was, like, yeah. overlaid with, I'm yeah. just saying, how yeah, it yeah. was edited and just the, vis- the visual storytelling of it yeah. was sensational. It's a big one. I, I like to read. 
I also I liked, liked it. it. Big a big recommend. Yes. So this one's screening Wednesday, June fourteenth, six p.m. at Village East by Angelica, as well as Saturday, June seventeenth at three thirty, AMC Nineteenth Street East six. And I'm I'm just saying all these words out loud, and I yep. probably sound like a you fucking sh- idiot to somebody who just, actually lives just, uh, in New York. Yeah. All of that said, it's also going to be on the online platform as well. Thank you for calling Movie Phone. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's pivot back. I didn't realize how many documentaries we were talking about. So many. <laughs> a lot of documentaries. I, I really, really want to talk about this because I really, really oh, want to no. know. I oh. want to know, James. This no. is not make financial advice. <sighs> so this one screens again on Thursday, June 15th at 845 at the AMC 19th Street E6. Um, and if in case you haven't wondered what this movie is about, it's a movie about crypto. Yes, it's a movie about crypto. Okay. And the ri- before James yeah. starts talking, it's kind of about the rise and fall of Dogecoin. Dogecoin? Doge. Dogecoin? Dogecoin. Dogecoin. That like kind of talking to like the one like fucking cheerleader who cheerleaded it the most, who wasn't Elon Musk and kind of other people talking about their experiences with crypto and what they're putting in. And yeah, as well as some talking heads who have much more experience than these people who don't typically play stock market. Yeah. Yeah. And, and okay. So Hit this, me, James. I wanted I, you. I, I've I've wanted to know what you thought about. In this. In case you all haven't realized, James has some thoughts about crypto. This, and this. <sighs> okay, look, I need. I'm going to take the most nuanced, uh, unbiased take that I can on this. Um, first of all, that you follow for the main beyond some of the talking heads that are are financial experts, I guess people that have been in the industry for a long time. You yeah. follow four main investors. Let's call them subjects subjects sure um we follow as as dave mentioned uh the uh the the poster child poster child for dogecoin uh we follow a tiktok influencer uh we follow a husband i guess a father like just a regular sort of family man and we follow a uh, a black man um through sort of a an interesting look at the rise and fall of crypto in general, but specifically in this case, Dogecoin. So before you go on, the yeah. uh the African American gentleman, he correct he does um like sessions learn and trying to teach more about semi financial Senai was was probably the most interesting that is the african-american gentleman i'm mentioning his name is senai uh you, was guys, probably, you guys have bridge on the on the weekend you know it uh, <laughs> he was probably the most interesting part of to me the most interesting part of this documentary there was fascinating parts of this documentary but he was the most interesting well yeah because he wasn't he actually has been around long enough to not just take on the fads is against crypto, which I'm sure spoke to your heart. And he was, he was trying to help others learn more about financial markets and about investing. Correct. Much like the TikToker was also trying to do that, but in a different way because they were learning at the same time. Correct. Correct. And yeah, the, uh, the, the girl, I can't remember her name right now. Uh, 
Obviously, <gasps> she's not invited to bridge. She's not. Uh, her uh, no, but uh, as you kind of mentioned, like her journey through it was was interesting as well. Just in the angle that she took, and she kind of came to that realization that she's an influencer, not an investor. Like she's very good at like digesting and kind of uh, explaining to a younger audience what some of these investing terms mean and what what they can mean for you if you're looking to start getting into investing without specifically like shilling out for crypto in general it's just kind of like financial advice kayla kilbride kayla that was it thank you kayla kilbride um keep keep that up so we not we can reference the you. other people's yeah. names um she was she was interesting to watch as well Sunai i think was like my most fascinating just because like the approach that he took in his investing strategy and like the way that he's used that and he had like a goal in mind, but he also realizes that it's not investing is not a get rich quick scheme. It is a long period of time. If you make the right moves and you're smart about it and you look at it and you're not following trends and fads, you can make real money in this game, in this business. And then he's reinvesting that money back into his own community, which I thought is a very admirable goal. Oh, yeah. He's buying and back. He's buying, buying the, back the block. Buying back the block. Thing. That's yeah. so cool. Which is so, and, so and cool. I loved him doing the uh, drawing the, Malcolm the, X, the Malcolm X on the outside on of the building, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then uh, yeah, his hosting like financial seminars for seminars. Uh, that was the word I was looking other, for. Other, uh, other, other uh, marginalized groups that haven't gotten historically have not gotten the privilege of knowing how to invest and like hosting those those things for his community. He's a cool guy. There's no doubt. Um, the other part of this is like okay. First of all, I have a lot of problems with crypto, but not for what it is. It, it, it can be something good. It just is not right now. It is very, very volatile. It is very, very, very much a fucking hustle straight up. Which the movie, which the documentary also addresses. Yeah, because, you know, Elon Musk joked about it on SNL. And by joked, I mean, accidentally told the truth about what it actually is, at least in its current state. Also, big ups to uh, fucking Mana and uh, uh, the fucking uh, in the metaverse. That was cool. Great. Glad they fucking brought that piece of shit up. Um, <laughs> I, just, I, thought I, of, I thought of you in the metaverse. Oh I, I loved God. it. I loved it. I know we haven't addressed it, but I had to do... I had to speak to the metaverse and about mana in a presentation uh, last last winter. Mm -hmm. And then I had to deliver it multiple times, but I had to go back to James to talk to him because he was the only person I knew who actually knew what I was saying. And yeah. just the <laughs> anger and the fury and just it makes me mad just how he how upset he got. And yeah. just it, it was fun to see that stuff come up because I was like, yay, I know what they're talking yeah. about. Like it's it's a hustle in the sense of like, look, the only way that you can make money currently is by convincing somebody else to buy your shit. Otherwise, it's fucking worthless. Like it has no actual value of anything. Yeah, it's you're just, convincing you somebody. You can convince someone else that yeah. it's it's good enough then you can offload your shit and make some money. And. I do like, again, another documentary that didn't quite shy away from it. It wasn't glorifying crypto the entire time. It was just kind of straight up saying it. And even um, uh, the the Doge father. the Yeah, tell us what the Glo Doge father is. Globert? Uh, I know he was pro. I know that was, was his YouTube name. Was. Yeah, uh, Glauber. Yeah, Glauber. Glauber Contessoto. Um, he, like... 
credit to him for holding on to it the whole time. But also his friends were like, bro, why are you not selling it? You you've made like you could sell right now and have over a million dollars. You could get yourself out of it, any it like financial two, it was situation. Like close he was to in. three. It was close to three during the SNL episode. He 2. had a brief 9. moment. 2.9 mil. Um, and he could have sold and he didn't. And he's just holding on to it and holding on to it. Now, granted, again, kudos to this doc for just following it through. He's making enough money now. Like he's he's, yeah, well, his, he's getting sponsorship dollars. Right. But again, he's not an investor. He's now an influencer. Yes. Like he is yeah. now just a YouTube host. Well, good for him for pivoting and finding finding a way. He, finding learned, his he niche, learned a very, very niche. hard lesson. Of course he did. I, um, and he also, used that lesson and he pivoted. I yeah. also want to know why he wears his sweaters like that or his hoodies. I like think it that. just became his like personality. Cause I was like, why the fuck are you wearing it? Like, that, yeah, man? I think it just became his personality. That also that celery. rap was just terrible. Oh, uh, <laughs> and also the celery juice. Jesus <laughs> fuck. Man. Celery of it all. His, Look, his trip to Costco, just buying yeah. like a, a case of celery. <laughs> yeah. Look, I think like when you look at when you look at this entire documentary, when you step back at the end of it and look at it, it's definitely not saying you should fucking put all of your money in crypto right now. It's very much like there is a world of knowledge out there that you can learn about proper sound investing strategies. The one thing that was mentioned multiple times was fucking diversify. Don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Otherwise, just go to the casino. Just go to the fucking roulette table and put all your money on 17. And it's the same thing. It's just going to happen in seconds instead of years. Like this is true. It's it was very much. This is not financial advice, but if you take a step back and look at it, it kind of was. It was good points of like, look at Senna. He was able to diversify his book. He was making smart investment choices and he's looking at a long term future, not putting everything in Dogecoin or fucking. Oh, fuck. I made huge windfalls from. uh what the fuck Anna? uh but it wasn't from Mana. it was something else the one about the one that was named after elon musk's dog <laughs> oh floki <laughs> <It was> floki <laughs> coin or whatever the fuck no um no he had, maybe it was dogecoin but he cashed out and then reinvested all of it back into mana and then lost everything that he just no, re- it was, man- it was, it was in mana, it was mana. so it went up he, he it took, reinvested he took it out and then he put it back yeah and then lost most of it anyway um because again, like you're only doing one thing. Like you can't also watching that guy's entire life fall apart was fucked. Um, but again, didn't shy away from it. It just literally like that guy was living in his shed um, or his storage unit, whatever the, storage the fuck it unit, was. Yeah. Um, also, I called that happening when his kid got dropped off of the storage unit and like his wife was definitely not there. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> this man's life is in the toilet. Um, um. All of what you said, yes. Yeah. I think it would have been more interesting if it stuck with the addiction yeah. aspect of it. Yeah, it was briefly As mentioned. well as kind of like the unhealthy mindset, like where yeah. crypto trades all day. Yeah. Thing. Like three in the morning, it's moving type yep. thing, as opposed to the stock market, which is very much... It opens and it closes. Yeah. And then you're okay until the next day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that that would, cause like the last, but the last chunk of the movie, yeah. when they're talking about influencing and how they're losing money left and right, how it's not a good idea. They have the fat Jewish come on and talk. Oh like, yeah. Real talk about yeah. influencing and, yeah. and like internet culture and yeah. meme culture. Like I thought, I, I would have wanted to hear more from him because that was exactly and his investment in cummies. Yeah. 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 That was exactly what I wanted to hear from that movie. Yeah. At the end, like I could care like 
the doge the doge father or whatever yeah. the fuck well, i think elon musk is the doge father okay the do the doge son then sure. <laughs> the prodigal doge son um or doge son whatever like he's not a good guy no. and i don't want to like no when he's when shit is happening i'm like Tough shit, bro. Yeah. You and fucking you fucking brought this on yourself. Yeah, even when he gets offered, like he loses most of his he, I mean, by the end of the doc, his Dogecoin account is back to almost basically what he started with. Hmm. Like he started with 180,000, which also oh, fucking Christ, that also he like maxed out all of his credit cards and everything in order to get $180,000 together to invest in um, Dogecoin. And then basically ended up at the end of it with the exact same amount um but he also has seven hundred thousand dollars he's uh, because he pivoted yes but it was just like man bro like fuck and then he and he's living that, in a he's living in a in fucking a shoebox. studio that's smaller than the room we're in yeah and like and we're not in a big room no well big ups to him triggering that vegas apartment <laughs> yeah the big fucking house yeah i wanted um, to see him play with that fucking street marvel versus capcom machine god he had a storage unit full of fucking arcade machines what the hell anyway um it uh and like even when he got the marketing job and they were like oh do you want to get paid in money or dogecoin he went dogecoin and what the fuck is wrong even his mom was like the fuck is wrong with you like it's just like the delusion that you have to have at that level of just like oh it's everything and like there was real people look he's a real person but like there was a lot of real people that like fell into that fallacy that fomo of like oh i'm gonna miss out on this huge crypto bubble like i gotta get in and then they lost even more because they got in way too late like elon knew what the fuck he was doing he definitely had a financial guy ready to go he had a financial he had a financial guy ready to press the button (laughs) the moment it spiked on snl and then probably sold fucking everything at that moment and just went i'm good and like lost nothing. Let let's not pretend that Elon Musk knows what he's. Doing. But no, it was all like anyway. I have a lot of issues with crypto in its current form, but I like that the documentary again another documentary that didn't that didn't hold back wasn't glorifying one way or the other. Just very much like here's the thing. Could it have done more talking about addiction? Hundred percent. And the reality of like currency trading, which doesn't matter if it's crypto or regular currency, that shit is an addiction and it trades constantly and it's fucked. Um. Could have done better with that. Yeah, definitely. It it tried at the, the end, but I think it was like too little too late at that point and it had to move on to other things. So you wanna are we all gonna go get some Ethereum after this? Fuck no. You gonna you gonna buy some space in the metaverse, Dave? I, that I, ghost shell of a fucking place <laughs> that exists. On Decentraland. Oh, on Decentraland. they showed it. They showed I it. know they showed Decentraland, Dave. I was so angry. And I love that the only shots that they had of it was the map and the landing area where the most amount of people exist because as we experience, nobody's there. Like you get down to the fucking planet, planet. I don't even know whatever the fuck it is. You get down to the metaverse itself, and it's a ghost town. I, hey man, I went to where Ice Cube had his thing, and Ice Cube was there. He said hi to me. <laughs> he said hi to you, Dave. Anyway. I want to hear what Tony has to think. Tell us what tell us what you think, because I have one more thought, but I want you to say what you have to feel first. Uh, I really enjoyed this one. Um, I thought the. Uh, the subjects were all interesting. I really liked the the Doja Godfather or the fuck sure. yeah. bro. He uh, he made me cringe a lot. And yeah, like seeing his money fluctuate like you guys know how I am with money and you know how <laughs> anxiety ridden I yeah. get. 
watching his fucking thing go up and down and it's just like so you fucking moron (laughs) what are you doing at the screen oh man like all he had to do if he didn't want to if he didn't want to take out the money fine whatever at least take out what you invested so after that like anything you lose is not what you had to begin with you took out what you had and everything else is bonus yeah like use your fucking head yep yeah he made me angry he made me real angry i bet (laughs) because like honestly if it if if it was honestly me once i hit a million gone you know what man I don't like, care about the rest. I don't give a shit yeah. about the rest. Yeah. Don't give a shit. I'll invent. I'll like take out a hundred thousand. Like yeah. go blow it on a bunch of Blu-rays because it is me. Yeah. And then like just like fucking invest the rest. Yeah. I want. I want to see Tony like with an investment strategist and just kind of figuring out where he should yeah. be investing his yeah. money. Yeah. yeah, and yeah just yeah. him on the phone every Potato day. Chips. <laughs> on every day yeah. talking to this guy. Yeah. It was great. I I really I really enjoyed it. Um fuck crypto for a brief moment i was like you know what maybe welcome maybe. welcome welcome <laughs> i to texted the, you guys after the other side it. of the pillow and I, was just, and I was just like Yo, are we investing in dogecoin or what oh, man. And i was like maybe maybe and then after the end i was like you know what i'm good i, was, <laughs> I, I definitely have sent it to you in the past but there was a, a youtube doc that was called line goes up and it's an hour and a half or two hours it's pretty fucking long but if you want to understand the hustle that is crypto, just watch it. Dan Olson, uh, Folding Ideas is the channel, but do it because that is an unashamed look at what crypto is. And uh, yeah, it's all everything is in service of making that line go up. And the moment it stops going up, they don't care anymore. They've cashed out and made their money. Final thought. It also reminded me of uh, this Diamond Hands doc I saw. Yeah last year at south by yeah. that was about um wall street bets yeah and yeah, yeah, yeah. uh amc, AMC and GameStop. GameStop. Yeah. it yeah. was all about that so it reminded me a lot of that when yeah. the, all the meme stuff kept yeah. coming up it was all that and, yeah and i kept they kept showing the diamond hands of the paper yeah. hands i was like i get it i get yeah. it yay <laughs> Dave's included yay because i'm not great i'm not great in investments me either and i'm not i don't know a whole lot about financial markets so yeah. I just know a Ponzi scheme when I see one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, as Tony said, it's, it's very nerve wracking to watch yeah. some of it play out. Absolutely. But yeah, I think I would have wanted more about the addiction and that. I yeah. think that that would be more interesting to see just because they're yeah, talking about how kind of a footnote. they're just talking about how it's younger people who are doing these sort of things sure. and how they're getting addicted to it. But it's totally different from what wall street bros are doing. Right. So it would have been interesting yeah. to kind of, just have yeah. that dynamic. Yeah, agreed. And mostly because I didn't like that guy. Yeah, I just fuck that. I guy. just wanted to just shake him violently. Yeah, I just wanted <laughs> to. Get, I do, I couldn't. What are you doing? Right, I couldn't look away, man. I just, I just needed yeah, to see yeah, that yeah. train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, I was sitting there. Just, knew it was just, coming. I knew just it was lie coming. To the, lie yeah. to your guys, man. Take the money out and just yeah. be like, hey, it's still going up. Yeah. <laughs> like what the fuck? Yeah, I can't, I can't take it out. I have too many fans. Fuck! What? Got to get to ten million. You're in debt. You are so in debt, buddy. You live in a literal shoebox. Yeah, your your fucking screen door is falling apart, bro. Your your fucking your fucking vision board is like on the roof because you have nowhere to put it in the bathroom. Yeah. When he hosted the party, I was like, "Where are your (laughs) fucking people?" (laughs) 
Whack. He had to I, like I, take away his table. Yeah, I, like, want to, I wanted that chair though. I do love that chair. <laughs> it is a good chair. It's a good chair. It's a good chair. And he like had eight hundred dollars. He had all the artwork. Yeah, all the artwork. Yeah, yeah, all his fucking fan art. Oh Jesus. my god, oh, I love man. that. All right, that's enough about this. I'm, I'm done talking. <laughs> You're <about> upset. <laughs> I'm upset. All right. Well, why don't we uh, we finish off then uh, mm. with the uh, the titular songs about fucking, which yes. is uh, running again on Friday, June sixteenth at nine fifteen at the Village East by Angelica. I did not have the privilege of watching this, but I really want to because I just love it when I see movies that are called that have the word fucking in the title. Absolutely, that's, that's just fun for me. But Absolutely. Boys, tell me about this one, which is. Also a doc. <laughs> yeah. Tony, you want to talk about this first? I had no idea who this this absolutely Mark, of course Mark you did. Rebuild. You want you want his proper pronunciation? Yes, Mark Rebier. Okay, just call him Mark. Mark. <laughs> I had no idea. Bridge who home Sundays. <laughs> I had no idea who the fucking guy that this guy was. Sure, but he has some fucking anthems, and they are a bop, buddy. <laughs> like, yeah. Like when's the next concert in Canada? Like when's he playing in Canada? Because I he am was fucking just here. Fuck. I know it was here on October. I couldn't go because I had to go to your fucking wedding. Well, you know, sometimes you got to get married to your best friend twice. But Mark Revier, Tony. I know. I know. Now that you know, get, if you I skipped go. your wedding, was would would you if have you, understood? If you skip my third <laughs> wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that permission. I appreciate that. You're yeah, talking about a third wedding. I oh, it's happening. It's, happening. it's, it's happening. happening. How much money you want me to put into this after one year? <laughs> two years. Two years. Two years. Two years. How much right, fucking right. money you want me to put into this thing? All of it. <laughs> this guy is fucking wild. Yeah, man. Like he has a very wild um, persona. Yep. So it was basically about Mark Rebier. And uh, his tour, his first tour after uh, after COVID. Yep. And it just try and it just follows the trials and tribulations of this tour and the shenanigans that he gets up to. Absolutely. And, uh, it follows a bit of his work when he was uh, doing vi- uh, YouTube videos during COVID. Yep. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. I would say it's it's like it's a two full documentary. It's 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 covering his his tour post COVID, uh, and also co- like kind of a little bit of like a biopic about his life as well like it, it's it's yeah. it's cut it's interspersed with yes some of the uh his youtube shows that he still does um and has been doing like that's how he started yeah. his youtube he started back in like 2015 um and so he's like bo burnham in a way yeah kind of I'll, I'll get to that in a sec but it was also like and then also intercut with earlier parts of his life uh, growing up with his dad yeah uh and childhood videos and like that kind of it was stuff. another it was another documentary that was kind of focused on his dad being like an inspiration to who he became um to also him, to him writing songs about fucking to him writing songs about fucking yeah um so the i guess the first time they i love that they included it in here because it's always been my favorite piece of mark rebier lore is the fact that like he was on the news buying that first iphone um and he <laughs> sold his spot in line he was that that was his big like 15 minutes of fame he was on cnn uh when the first iphone was coming out he was in line at at&t to buy one and he was first in line it was him as i think it was him his dad and his brother um very front of the line and this woman came with sixteen thousand dollars cash and one went up to them and was like, can I buy your spot in line? And he sold it for 800 bucks. Um, and the, the woman's goal was to go in with 16 grand in cash and buy 
all of the iPhones at the AT&T store. Uh, except AT&T had a limit of one per customer. <laughs> so he got 800 bucks and bought his iPhone. <laughs> like everything worked out just great. Um, so anyway, it. that was his like it. his claim to fame is that art that news clip has been around since he became somewhat famous. But yeah, so he's he's been a practicing musician since he was a kid. Uh, Piano is his main game. And uh, he started a YouTube show. I think it was like 2015 or so and started like making some songs. It was kind of low key. Um, he then started pivoting towards having almost like a call in show. So like you could call into a number and talk to him directly. And he, you could either ask him questions. I think at points he was doing it almost like they, they showed scenes where he was just like sitting in this couch chair. Like I think he was doing it like a therapy session almost like you can just call in like a uh, like a public access show. Uh, and then it pivoted as it got later on to he would have people call in. He would talk to them and they would give him like an idea for a song and he would improvise a song. And that's what he became known for was his songs are not like produced, made and like written down and all of this in advance. It is all improvised. It is all on the spot. Everything is just made up as he goes. Um, so all of his shows, everyone is completely, completely unique. He makes it all up like there's nothing pre-recorded when he starts. So even if he's playing a song, there was a couple of songs in here where they were songs that he's done in the past on a YouTube stream. Like, um, get the fuck up bitch let's go is like one of the the best songs he's ever made but every time he plays that at a show he has to recreate it live like there's no he doesn't just press play and then start singing he's no recreating that beat from memory in like on on display as it goes with a loop thing so he's affectionately known as loop daddy um because he does loops and that's what he uses to make on craft all of these beats but his subjects can be anything and generally they've leaned towards the I don't know, vulgar, if you want to call it. It's a lot of lovely R&B, rap, EDM sort of songs, but mainly about fucking fucking. And uh, as you do, yeah, I like when he drops the beat, when he's just like, for sake of arguing, this yeah. isn't what happens, but it's just like, and fucker in the ass. And then like it's the, just, the yeah, fucking bass he'll, he'll drop into it's it. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so vulgar. he's got, he's yeah. created an entire persona around himself. That's developed over all these years of doing YouTube videos and, his persona is he wears kimonos or he also has a hotel chevalier uh, robe that he wears occasionally as well, which I've always envied um, as you will. He's got a mustache. He's got long hair. And if he's ever wearing clothes, it is like jeans and a tucked in white shirt. That is it. That is all he will ever wear. <laughs> it is like a very well crafted persona. Um, but he's basically and on a, stage. He's wait, only wearing underwear. Yeah. And that's his. I was gonna say he has a komodo in his underwear, and he takes the komodo off, and he's just fucking yeah. jamming, and it's tidy whities basically. But he's a very like inclusive guy. He doesn't like <laughs> everyone is included. Like he does that whole thing in there where he's like wearing a bra. Yeah, and he's like, I wear a bra, you can wear a bra, sort of thing. Like being very like get the fucking like, bigotry and hatred yeah, out of here, exactly. sort of thing. Um, and uh, yeah, he's a fucking character straight up like he's one of the most interesting people to see perform live to to make music to watch a youtube show the get the fuck up bitch let's go i was watching that live stream when he made that it was one of the most wild things i've ever seen happen and it became like a sensation like nice. i've 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 been watching his stream since i found him he came across my youtube feed in like 2018 and i've been watching him ever since 
and I've been like one of the very few people that's known about him. And uh, yeah, when this doc came out, I was like, fuck yes. Like let people know that this guy exists. And Tony, I'm so glad you're on board. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Like he's, he's fucking something. And like the doc itself was just so interesting because he is so interesting. Yeah. And like, I would, I would listen to this guy talk forever because he's just such a character. Yep. And he's just, he's almost like a force of nature and he's not, he's not playing a character. He's not, you know, he's not acting. He's just, that's just him. him. And it's just, it's, it's awesome to watch. He's very charismatic, very outgoing, very like, and just super cool, dude. Friendly, very friendly. He's not, he's not a dick. He's like, he's, he's nice to all his fans and he's just, he's just something else, man. Yeah. Yeah, like he understands that he would be nowhere without his fans and like appreciates and loves and respects that. And like everybody is his friend. Like it's it's just who he is. He's just one of the he's like recently, more recently, he's been doing like street concerts in New York. Like he'll just pop up on a street corner and start making music and people will just crowd around and watch him. And like it's wild. It's it's wild that he's like basically grown and created from scratch, cultivated a fan base that knows him and that's it. Like that's, that's been the extent of people's knowledge. It was like a word of mouth thing. You either kind of knew about Mark Rabier or you did not. Um, there's no in between. There's no, he's on Spotify. You can listen to it. Uh, but no one would ever like know that he even exists unless you are kind of in the know. He's a pop-up shop of music artists. <laughs> All right. That's yeah. a good, that, that's a good way of putting yeah. it. But otherwise, like the doc was very cool. I learned a lot more about him than you would ever glean from just like his personality. So like hearing about his dad, hearing about how he grew up and started and like who his dad was to him as well. And like he has that emotional moment talking about his dad and the fact that like he's since passed and he never got to see his son perform like in front of a crowd, in front of a huge audience. And uh, yeah, and just how much again, how much his dad meant. to him. So it was uh, it was a very good doc. I liked it. It was a lot of fun. Perhaps a little bit too long, but it was a, a little pinch, fun. A pinch. Yeah. Got a little long-winded at the end, but yeah. so you're telling me I should watch it. You should. Okay. Because you're gonna find you're gonna find a new artist and uh you might right. then start following him on YouTube and then watch Go a live down stream a rabbit or two. Hole. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> already got a couple of his songs on Spotify. Already. Absolutely you do. All right. Well that one's also not gonna be on the platform, so Hopefully you'll uh, write it down or you will go see it on June 16th. Yes. Um, but I think that about wraps us up for this special episode. Absolutely. Um, we'll be back again with some normal content next week, but we will also, uh, well, we'll be talking about Tribeca again, a couple more um, films yep. that we see and uh, some recos for the, uh, the online portal. Yeah. Is there um, any is there any others that you want to uh, that you're excited to see? Uh I really want to see Our Son and nice. uh Bucky Fucking Dent, like Tony mentioned. Yep. And um what else? I want to see Stan Lee. Yeah, so. I want to see Stan Lee. I want to see Maggie Moore's I want to see the line. Yeah, hmm. the line sounds right, very yeah. interesting. Yeah. I want to see the Cinder Lopper doc and the one for with Hideo Kojima. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm getting very excited. There's still lots to come for this festival. Absolutely, um, we're very privileged to be able to to, uh, yes. Thank to you, cover Tribeca. it from Canada, and not yes. have to be. Thank you so the much. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tribeca, for understanding that we exist in Canada. <laughs> 
And, uh, you know, maybe this is just the excuse we need to go to next year's Tribeca, be hey, boots on the ground next hey, year in Tribeca. I wouldn't mind. We could do that. Yeah, I would be down. But, uh, yeah, thanks for listening to uh, this special episode. And, uh, yeah, we'll hear you soon. My name is Dave, and I'm here with Jimmy and Big Tasty Tony B. Hell yeah. And we will see you again, or you'll hear from us again very soon. Excellent. Bye. Bye.